Hey, it's Bootstrapped Web. We are back on the mics. It's been a couple of weeks. Jordan, how's it going, buddy? It has been. A few, it's been long enough that I feel like a little nervous before we record. Which yeah, means, which means it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, I think like we almost like forgot how to do this podcast. There was some vacation involved. I think maybe you were away. I don't know what happened. I have no idea what happened, but it hasn't happened for a few weeks. And last week I was, uh, I was about to say I was away. I was not away. I was away from work, but I stayed home. One of those uh, vacation at homes. I needed it. I got to a point where it was like, I think I, I, I talked about it, right? I, I woke up one morning, like not in a good place. And the first thing in my mind was the kids are going back to school. Like this is your last chance. Take next week off. So that's what I did. It was nice. Yeah, we talked about going away this this weekend for Labor Day, you know, this coming. But we're not. We're going to hang around here. And I, I'm going to really try to just stay away from work for the next three days. Because I've been pushing a lot on the product lately. And, and I've been working on, you know, that's been like bleeding into my weekends a little bit. And and I think I just got to like take it easy, get get like one more beach weekend in and, and just relax for, for three more days and then get back to it next week. That sounds great. I completely forgot that it's a long weekend. And then realizing that yesterday was such a nice relief because this week, this week has felt like a month. It was intense. So you put out some some announcements about Cardhook and Shopify. What, what's going on? What? It did. So this is a bit complicated. This might, might take a little while to kind of explain, but I, I think people will find it interesting because you know everyone's going through their own journey in their business and you never really know which direction it's going to go. You have these ideas in mind. And then you make certain decisions that put you on a path and you have an idea of the direction it's going, but you don't really know where it's going to end up. This is a really interesting, big, dramatic shift in the whole journey. Yeah, I'm happy to kind of get into it and a little bit of background maybe. How's that sound? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously there are going to be parts of this that, that you know you can't talk publicly about, but... Can you give us just like a very basic sense of the the recent history, how, how you came to this point and what's changing? Yeah, I, I think a little context is, is necessary. So if we think about what Cardhook does, it offers a checkout optimization platform for Shopify merchants. And so what that really means is that a Shopify merchant is deciding to use the Cardhook checkout instead of the Shopify checkout. And what that means is that our business and the product that we offer is in direct conflict with Shopify's business model. Shopify makes more than 60% of the revenue on some type of transaction-related fee, whether it's payment processing or a transaction fee that they add for merchants that don't use Shopify payments, their own built-in Stripe partnership processor. In many ways, we've, we've been on a collision course from day one. We originally built the product in such a way that it worked with Shopify's payments and processed the revenue through their checkout. That's the only reason we even went into the business because it wouldn't make sense to build something that takes money away from the platform because why would they allow that? So we actually built the product originally to work with their payment processor and then that like didn't work out and we had to adjust the app and so that put us on this trajectory where at some point, you know, I liken it to a game of chicken. <laughs> so at some point they were going to kill us, acquire us, or work with us. And the announcement this week was that we found a way to work together. And so what we've been doing over the past few years in replacing the Shopify checkout 
right? The replacement of that checkout and doing the payment processing and owning the checkout page was the only way that we could accomplish the post-purchase upsells, which is really what we wanted to offer. And so a few months ago, Shopify came to us and basically said, okay, how do we work this out? Because at this stage, after COVID hit, we are doing north of $80 million a month in GMV. So it is no longer insignificant. It is now, all right, buddy, you're, you're peeling a billion dollars away from our platform every year now. And that's, that can't go on forever. And it can't go to 2 billion and then three and so on. So the negotiation was not easy. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that honestly, but I have to give credit to Shopify for ending up in the right place because you know Shopify matters and we matter, but what Shopify did right is they put the merchants first and they said, clearly merchants want this. And so instead of nuking this company out of existence, how, how do we figure out a way to provide this functionality that clearly there's demand for, but do it in a way that's acceptable and sustainable for the long term? And so the announcement this week was the culmination of those negotiations and, and working it out with Shopify. And what we're engaged in now is, is working directly with Shopify to expand their checkout endpoints in their API to allow us to build a post-purchase upsell app that works directly with the native Shopify checkout and the native Shopify payment processing, especially Shopify payments. And so the big concession from us is that we are, we're done taking on new customers to Cardhook. Like the product we've built over the past four years and that's processed you know, $1.4 billion on and so on, it's not being sunset, it's not being killed, the existing customers can continue on with it, but no new customers. So the, the growth is now is now done. So like as of this announcement, yes. you know, you, you've, you've literally like shut down the signup form and, and replaced it with like a waiting list email thing. On, exactly on right. So we are shifting from acquiring customers for Cardhook to building up an interest list, a pre-launch list for our new Shopify app that will work with Shopify's checkout. And then finally, finally, for the first time, will be in the Shopify app store. And so we will finally get that distribution. There's a lot of factors here. There's a lot of emotion involved. There's a lot of money involved, all this stuff. But one of the things I really like, and I'm really proud of what we were able to do, we dragged an innovation over from the digital marketing world that was seen as a bit spammy, right? A little salesy, a little aggressive, a little, how do I extract as much money as possible from this, from this, you know, this buyer? We dragged it over to the physical product world, and then we elevated it to the point where these direct-to-consumer companies like Native Deodorant and Goalie and Magic Spoon and all, all these brands that we recognize are using them in a way that's not spammy, that's not like taking advantage of the user, that they're, they're doing it in a way that's making an offer, making a deal, and making a good shopper experience. And so we did that well enough that a platform like Shopify basically like bowed to the demand. Okay, clearly people want it. And so that, that's like this objective thing that's outside of our performance as a, a company or finances or anything like that, that we were able to do. And now we will benefit from that. Other app developers will benefit from it because there's going to be a lot more competition and merchants are going to benefit from it tremendously. Yeah. So it's, there's still always that balance when you think about like product and early customer research and product research for, for the, for the bootstrappers, very, very early idea stage people listening to this. I mean, 
obviously you got to keep talking to customers and just be deeply ingrained in the market. Cause what you're saying is like, you were deeply ingrained in all these different, like the marketing industry, but like, it's not like this fully existed in the physical product space. And it's not like somebody over there told you, please build me that, you know? Yes. It, what, what we saw happening, right? It, it wasn't an invention. It's not of, connecting the dots. You yes. Know? It, it wasn't an invention of, of my mind, like all oh, this brilliant flash of light thing. It wasn't that at all. What was happening was the digital marketers were going from selling courses and eBooks. They were going to ClickFunnels and ClickFunnels allowed them to sell physical products with these marketing tactics and then they realized that ClickFunnels couldn't sustain a physical product business because it wasn't built for it. it. Didn't have inventory shipping fulfillment built into the logic. And so then they moved over to Shopify and then you had, you had like a, a demand arbitrage opportunity. You had people going to Shopify that wanted a feature from ClickFunnels. And that's what I mean by literally dragging it over from ClickFunnels into Shopify and then elevating. So we started off with the drop shippers and then over the arc of a few years, elevated it to the direct-to-consumer brands and, and now like general acceptance from the market. I mean, the funny thing is we will benefit from it, but our benefit will be a fraction, a small fraction of the overall benefit from merchants and other app developers and Shopify, which is, which is kind of fun to think about. Like we did this thing and it's cool that we processed $165 million worth of upsells. That's awesome. But over the next few years, it's going to be billions of dollars and we will participate in a small chunk of it, but it, but it will have this huge impact because a company at Shopify scale is now introducing it to the entire network. Right, right. And so I don't know how much you can get into, but like, so Carthook will have a Shopify app in, in the app store. Yes. Uh, other... Shopify apps would exist as well, but you have sort of like a head start on that. That's right. Think about this, the sensitive nature of this, like this is inside Shopify's checkout. So we're in sensitive territory here. And then you combine that with the fact that while Shopify, you know, they're like unbelievably successful in a public company, it's still software. It's just like you and I, it's got its issues. And so you combine the sensitivity of it and the fact that this is still a brand new API. So you need to test it out. They just practically cannot open it up to everybody right off the bat. And so they will, there's going to be a lot of competition, but to start off, it'll just be us and a handful of others that have already been doing this a lot because we're, we're helping them with the API and we have the expertise in it. And so we will benefit from that to an extent because we'll have a head start. So now we're in this very interesting period where, I mean, think about the, the dynamics, right? There's, there's a lot for us to kind of handle. First of all, we have a new team, internally that's working on the Shopify app separately because we have to leave the existing team in Cardhook to maintain and support the current customers right as we go into Q4. At the same time, we, we need to make sure that we're taking care of the Cardhook people that have been with us for years the right way because the product that they're working on has a very different future. And so, so there's like transition thinking and messaging and making sure people aren't freaked out and worried about their jobs. It's like this, it's a lot, a lot of stuff to handle. I'm not as familiar with how it works on Shopify's app store. Like how do your subscriptions work on that? Like, do you get paid through Shopify's platform or how does that work? It's, it's pretty interesting what, what they've done. It's partly to their advantage and partly to the merchant experience advantage and also partly to the, to the developer's advantage also. So what they do is they have a billing API and your app 
uses the billing API, and then your charges for your app get put on the merchant's Shopify bill. So when a merchant pays Shopify, they're paying for their Shopify subscription and all of the apps. And then Shopify takes that money, reports it to Wall Street as revenue, and then takes the money that is owed to them, the 20% cut, keeps it, and then disperses out the other 80% to each individual app. So it is, depending on how you look at it, you don't have a direct billing relationship with your customer. On the other hand, if they don't pay their Shopify bill, their business is done. So the likelihood of collection is, is a lot better. So it's, it's these pros and cons, but it kind of just standardized everything, whereas before it was, it was a wild west of, of billing and all this craziness. Huh. So what about like the customer's information? Are you, how, how much of that do you, do you get? You have a good amount of that. You know, th- that relationship is relatively straightforward. It's, it's a, you know, it's a row in your database and whatever you want to put in that row between email you can, and you can all- send like email marketing to them. And yep, and exactly right. And you're adding them on, but the general approach is people sign up through the app store. There are other ways to do it. Some people have them sign up on their site and then they provide the app later and all this other stuff. But generally speaking, the preferred path is you have your own website and people click on it. You send them to the app store listing and then they download the app. And then they, they you know, accept and give uh, privileges to the app to, to access certain parts of the store and then they're in. And the interesting part that we're working through now that we haven't done in the past is that your UI is inside an iframe inside the Shopify admin. And, and that's, that's good and bad. The other thing they do is they provide you with a design system called Polaris so that if you don't want to create all your own components, you can just use theirs and then it looks just like Shopify and it, it feels extremely native, which is great for onboarding and great for general acceptance and understanding of, the, of your UI, but also commoditizes you a bit. So you're left in this, well, that would be a lot faster, but should we use our own? And so there's a lot of product decisions happening now. And obviously everything is very, very stressed on timing. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, wow. A lot of moving parts. Yeah, a lot of moving parts. So it's, it's, it's an end of an era in one way and a beginning of another, but we do get to hold on to our customers, which is great. So our revenue doesn't drop precipitously, right? That was what I was worried about the whole time. But the future's bright. It's not absolutely ideal and perfect, but this is a great deal and we're going to run with it. So Very cool, man. What will be interesting to see how things change over the next few months and Yeah, and so you're looking at like October is when when it uh, opens up? Late October in time for Black Friday. So that's that's kind of everyone's goal and this is the first time that our interests and Shopify's interests have been so closely aligned. In the past, because of that dynamic around what we do and how they, how they make money, we've been opposed. They didn't let us in the app store. They didn't promote us, rightfully. Now, all of a sudden, post-purchase upsells is something that they've been hinting at and like promising the community for a long time. And so now, all of a sudden, promoting us is to their advantage. So they can say, hey, look, we fulfilled this promise. Now you can have Cardnook inside your Shopify store, and it's super reliable. You don't have to worry about all this other stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what we can make of that. Obviously, they have a, a gigantic megaphone. And so if we can align ourselves with, with that and have them promote us, then that's obviously going to change things for us. Yeah, exciting. It'll be cool to see how, how this goes. Yes. Good stuff. Yes. Yeah, should we, uh, should we flip over to my stuff here? Please do. T- talk to us about what's, 
what's new? I, I guess I'll start with the marketing front and then uh, just a lot of planning on, on the product side too. But it starts with marketing and that is, I wanted to get get moving and just get two things basically up and running. One is I hired a, a marketer. Uh, she's helping with like some content development, but but also some content promotion. And, and that's more of a long-term play. So through the rest of this year, we're going to start to roll out some like big content hubs targeting um, our target market, which is like agencies, especially marketing agencies. You know, I wanted to get something up and running that that can move faster, just something like- So that's like longer term investment. That's longer term investment. Just start just start throwing some resources at this. Like, and it's, it's great because she's like really running with that. And I'm just sort of like giving my input on it like once a week, you know? The other thing that I just wanted to at least test is cold email outreach, uh, because that's something that I felt like I could- I could go into the rabbit hole for a week, which I did three weeks ago, to figure out all the tools, the strategy, the, the process of getting a, a basic direct cold email outreach to my target audience. Like just get it up and running, just see see what it could do. Not optimized, just whatever. It's worth a try because if it works, then it's in your control. Yeah. And and I and I fully was like, this is probably not gonna work. You know, I hate getting cold email and, and like we all ignore them. It's completely saturated now and and who knows? Like, but you know, I, I wanted to give it a, at least a, a solid try just to have something to to get a response. Because the thing is, I know who who the best customers are, I know what their attributes are, I know which industries they're from and what their teams look like. And I was like, if I could just go find them and say, Hello, we we exist. Like Yeah, your your product and category is new enough that it's not constantly searched for and constantly looked for. Yeah. I mean, it's new, but it's, I don't know that it's like a totally new category because people think about it in the project management space and just the, the idea of having a process and processes in your business, especially for service businesses, that's been hundreds of years old. And any, any service business knows that like, if you're going to scale, you need processes and all that. So, and that's usually why they're very frustrated with their generalist project management tools and so and so that's that's why the pitch for for a process kit is intriguing they're like oh like a lot of our frustrations with the way that the asanas and trellos are are not made for this sort of thing so i fired it up i i wonder how much i want to get get into on the podcast here <laughs> i i have a system for for finding t- ideal customers and and basically get finding their their contact information and then automatically sending some some cold email outreach to them and it's very like super simple what i will go go into is is what i'm putting in the email cuz i yeah, i feel like I, I was about to say i feel like this is what so many cold emailers get wrong and that is you know they're all trying to get you on a call right away you read the first few words and it feels wrong you could read the first few words and know like, okay, I'm, I'm going to delete this. And any follow-ups you, you send me, I'm definitely going to delete them. Then I'm going to get mad at you progressively until I, <laughs> yes, yeah. market a spam. I only have two emails that go out. It's only a two email sequence. I, I, I could do more, maybe optimize it later. But the first email is, I don't have it in front of me here, but the general gist is, is like, is, is your business running like a predictable machine? The reason I ask is because I'm, I'm from Process Kit and, and it helps automate your your processes is it okay if i send you if if i make you a 2 minute loom video to to give you a quick idea for how you might use it for your agency name okay so like letting them opt into it all i want is a is a yes and then i'm not asking them for a call i'm just replying so they reply to me like they say yes it sounds interesting i reply to them 
And then I literally record a custom Loom video for them. It takes me two minutes. I start with me looking at their website, commenting on like, hey, it looks like you, you've got a really solid service going. I like how you're standardizing and productizing it. Look, looks really cool. We work with with agencies like yours all the time. Let me show you this quick thing on like here here's like a quick new client onboarding process, and I'll fire it up for you one click and and see how all, all these tasks automatically fall into place and automatically calculated and, and all this cool stuff. Let them visualize um, what it would do yeah. for them. Yeah. So I so I record that two minutes, pop it in the email, reply, and then and then from there it's like, um, let me know your thoughts, and then and then you know. If they reply back to that, then we get into a conversation and then book a demo call. I've been uh, sending, I don't know, something like 20 or 30 of these every day. I was going to ask the, the, the quantity, 20, 30, that, that's a decent amount. It's not crazy, but it's definitely not like I'm going to send two long emails a day. It's somewhere in between. It is cold email outreach. So I'm not, it's targeted in, in that I'm definitely targeting marketing and advertising agencies of a certain team size. And and only in United States, and then I have another batch in Europe, and and they're founders. You're emailing the owner directly to visualize. This is how you could run your. I have two parallel campaigns going. One targets the founders and owners. The other targets if you if you're like a head of operations or or an operations manager or something like that. And I'm using those words in the email, like hey, like like people in in operations and agencies find this useful or like. So it's it's a targeted list to begin with, but I'm not spending a ton of time upfront vetting each and every company before we send that first email because it's cold email. It's a numbers. Yeah. Game. It's not, it's nice that your target market is massive. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're findable. Right. They, they want people to know how to contact them. <laughs> so I'm not putting in a lot of effort upfront to vet each individual company. That just wouldn't make sense. What, what I am doing is, is after I send that first email to them and I'm sending about 20 or 30 per day, I've got it on a queue. If they reply and they're and they say yes, I'm interested, then I reply back to them and I make a two minute video for them. I'm looking at my stats so far, and I've been getting a 68 percent open rate on the first email, and then 20 percent reply rate. And and of the replies, like most of them are positive. There there have been a few who reply and say like, take me off your list or whatever. But the majority are so like so far, just in the last three weeks, there there have been about thirty or so, give or take, like positive replies that I've replied back to with a Loom video. Those numbers are pretty damn good for twenty twenty. I, I I would not assume that. I I was I'm I'm super psyched about it. I literally Absolutely. expected that this was going to be a thing that like let me just try it. It's not going to work. I'll try it for a week and and then turn it off. And then and then I mean I like literally the first day of sending, it turned into a demo call that I had with the guy like the next day. So it's email, positive response, Loom video demo. Yeah, Loom video, and then they reply to that, and then and then, then we- Then you're in it. Then, then we book a call. I mean, some of them are, are just seeing the, the email, maybe not even replying, but they click over and then they start a trial. You know, um, Trials are up as well since I've been doing this. So- That's encouraging. That is very interesting. If you can, yeah, I mean, completely cold, right? Like to me, like that's that's just another that's another like good sign. I'll get into the stressful things that I'm dealing with uh, after this update, but the good sign I feel like is still at this at the top of the funnel because this is the only like active marketing that I'm doing right now, other than like tweeting about it. It it still shows that like 
agency owners resonate with this. They have this pain with how they manage their projects and their tasks and their processes. And so they're, they're coming to the website, they're resonating with that, or they're receiving a cold email, they're resonating with that problem. They're starting the trial or, or many, in many cases, they're getting on demo calls. Many cases, the founder get books to demo and then invites his manager to come on the demo with them. That happens right, quite so a they're, bit actually. They're feeling the pain enough to the point where they're interested in a solution. Some of them like have the first demo and then they task their manager to book a second demo Look with me. In. So like, these are all really good signs, I feel like. So what, like, what did your gut tell you on this thing? Do you, is this something like, okay, we should just keep this running and keep pushing on it? I'm definitely going to keep it running. It costs me like almost nothing. And I'm just paying for the tools, basically. It's not like I'm hiring somebody to do this, you know. And you it's want to talk about what tools you're using? Uh, sure. So... I, I wouldn't give away too much about how you're finding <laughs> the, the information. Uh, on, the, on the side of, of sending the emails, I'm using a tool called Lemlist. Cool. Uh, L-E-M-L-I-S-T, which I really like. You know, there's a lot of tools like it that do, that do cold email. I think like yeah, but I feel like, you, you're, like you're tough to satisfy on on tools like that. So, if if it's if it's past your uh, your qualifications, <laughs> and it must be decent. I, I like it. Um, <laughs> I I am tough to satisfy, but but this is the type of thing that it's like more of an automated tool, like set it and forget it. So, you know, it, I don't I don't I don't have to like work in it every single day. It's just kind of setting up the campaigns and letting them run. Hey, nothing wrong with software companies that do that. I'm jealous of those. <laughs> no, but it, you know, it does, it does what it needs to do. It, it, yeah, it's, it's good. Cool. Um, and, and I can pull in like dynamic variables into it and, and it's got a good integration with the tools I'm using to, to build the list. So very interesting. I remember, I remember it, the, the first thing that worked for Cardhook with the recovery app was cold email. And as soon as I got some positive response, I was like, all right, this is finally a breakthrough in how to reach people and get them interested. And I mean, I, I remember just being very excited about it and then very determined. I'm just going to add a zero to this. I'm going to send more emails. I'm going to get more demos and I'm going to grow faster. And I like put my head down and was like, how do I build a system that can do that? Yeah. I mean, part of the thing with, with this is that like it's, it's cold email. So you can't just like turn 20 emails a day into a thousand emails a day. No, you um, don't but, want to. But but like I do have a a long and su- and sustaining growing list that this can just keep running throughout, you know, whenever. And then uh, it just runs in the background and, that, and that's it. And it's still a little bit too early to tell on conversions, but like I have had several demo calls with these people from the cold channel and they're perfect fits just like the other demos that I've, that I've had. So it's just a question of like, how many of them end up? Yeah, we'll eventually you'll need to look at, you know, segmentation. Yeah, the difference is, is that I reached out to them and they were not seeking out the tool in the first place. And they, so. they might churn more. You kind of don't know that. You just know that at this step of the funnel, it's it's working well. Yeah. I'll, I'll just move on to the other thing. Is that cool? Yes, you please. got something else? Or? No. All right. I can't even um, think of anything else right now. My, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I haven't even l- responded to the email in a week. I haven't, everything just went out the window. <laughs> so yeah. please, please go ahead. I'll try to think of something else going on other than, cool. than that. You know, I, I've, I've talked about this before that it, it's still a big lift to get them from the top of the funnel to converted paying customer. And, you know, I'm always looking at that like trial to, to paid conversion rate and, and people are converting every month. 
and part of it is like, I don't even know what's supposed to be good or, or bad. Like, what should I really expect at this? It's such an early stage. I feel like for not doing much marketing, it's, it, it's getting a healthy number of trials. And, and I expect that the trials will increase the rest of the year. It just gets to me when just thinking about all these trials that don't end up converting who are really good fits. Like they, they, they resonate with the problem. We have a really positive demo call. They sign up for the trial. They start using it. Sometimes they invite their team, but it just doesn't get adopted. It just doesn't get adopted. It's the the activation, the adoption, whatever you want to call that. And I've worked on this and worked on this. I'm literally doing a one or two or three demo calls every day now. So I'm talking to customers and users all the time. And so I, I tweeted about this the other day that what I what I'm starting to realize. It's weird how, because I've had, I've had hundreds of conversations and I'm continuing to have them and like gathering all the feedback and processing it just mentally is so hard sometimes, you know, because like sometimes it takes a really long time and a really high quantity of calls before you can start to connect the dots. Like they're all, like they've all been telling me the same things all this time, but it's like only now I'm starting like to crystallizes. see. It's like starting to crystallize. Happens. Yep. So okay. basically the, the, the thing is, Process Kit does a really good, good job of handling your internal processes and turning those processes into repeatable tasks for your team and, and running some automation around that. Everyone has been asking in different forms of this. Number one, like they want to take in intakes from their clients. Like so, so a very common scenario, like we have it at Audience Ops, but most agencies, when you're onboarding a new customer, you need to gather things from them, gathering content, ga- gathering logins, gathering um, information. Usually they send them some, some big form. Sometimes they send them like a Google form. Sometimes it's a spreadsheet. Sometimes it's, it's just manually over email. So you're gathering all these little bits and pieces or you need to get copy and images and files, whatever. That, that's one thing that they're asking for. The other thing is, is that they've been asking for, how can I show my client progress? How can I give them like a portal to see our, our team's progress on their work, but keep them at a distance so that they're not seeing everything that we're working on internally. So, so if you think about it in three parts, it's client engagements begin. We need to take intakes from clients, gather things from clients. The middle piece is like our team processes that work. We, we, we do the service, we create the things, we're, we're running our processes internally and then the third piece is we're showing the client, we're, we're delivering their stuff or we're just giving them progress updates. And, and so if you think about it in those, like three, those three parts, like intakes, processing the work, and portals. I feel like process kit is, is solid on the middle piece, but the intake and the portal, we do have forms and, and things, but it's, it, it's not a full solution yet. It's not quite there. You know? Ooh, okay, okay. I'm just trying to like, how do you know where your product begins and ends in a given workflow in, it, right, in the way they're actually doing the work? That's what I'm seeing. And that's what I've seen in all these conversations is that they are duct taping all these other tools together with process kit, with, with their Asana or with their CRM or with their forms. And it's a bit scary though, right? To just assume, all right, our product needs to do the entire process because that it's an expansion. The, the, the scope widens pretty dramatically and 
you'll find brand new nooks and crannies <laughs> in, in each direction. Yeah, but it's, we've been, we've been doing it. It's just, it, it's been like a half-assed solution. So, so you're excited about, about tackling it? Like, like the, the intake, really, I guess you, what you would be doing is you would be, you're going to do a better job with the, with the intake if it's connected directly to your like data internally. Yeah, because you're, you're working through a process for a client, like a new client onboarding process. And step five in the process is to, is to gather their information for, to access their website. And if they send that, that information, then, then we need to do these steps. But if they don't send it or if they're late on sending it, then we need to follow these steps. And that's where Process Kit already does a really good job with that kind of stuff. But you need to use Zapier to connect to your whatever you're doing to communicate with your client. And, and, and that data that they bring in, does that then live inside process kit? And, and does it have value being there? Like their logins and URLs and images and, and that sort of I, thing? I, I don't want to get too into the okay, logins. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean like the, like, I'm, not, I'm not doing like a password manager or anything like that. Right, it's right, not, like, okay. not like, logins is sort of like a bad example, but it's, it's like gathering information name and who who's the direct point yeah. of contact for this project yeah. and all that stuff. Okay. Or, or copy for the website or images or, and I, I know there are tools that like gather content and, and things like that, that, that like, but that, but they're hacking those together with, you know, and they're paying for that. Plus they're paying for their project management tool. Plus they're doing Zapier. Plus they're doing spreadsheets and, and it's a mess and they, and things fall through the cracks. And the use case though, I, I know this sounds like a very big product and, and it's covering a lot of ground and that is scary you're right but the thing is what i'm trying to do is focus in on the most common use case so that they can come to process kit and and get to that win get to that like oh this is put together and working much faster than they are now do you know what i mean like because right now my main challenge is like I'm really excited about what I could do with process kit, but now I've got to like design all my processes and migrate everyone over and, and, and like, you know, think about like all these different integrations and like, obviously there's still going to be integrations, but like the most common use case is like, we have a lot of new clients who are onboarding into our agency services. We need to make that a really smooth process. If they could just nail down that process and that form and show them, uh, a portal, I feel like that's something that you can build and get up and running very quickly, like in a day or two of setup, and then feel like that win, like, okay, I'm off to a good start with Process Kit, you know? Yeah. I mean, a portal makes me think of uh, one of our integration partners, Recharge, where they do subscription management. And as soon as they did that for merchants, like the ability to have this, you know, a subscription for this bag of coffee that so it, you get an order every month when they flipped open the customer portal so that the person receiving the coffee could then go and see where's my shipment. Do I want to add something? Do I want to pause it? Like it ballooned their value dramatically to the merchant, to, to their customer. Right. So, so, so the portal side of it is, is the other like really big piece. And, and that's why it, it, this has come up in like almost every conversation since the very beginning. It's just that like, I took that information and processed it differently than I am now. It's always, difficult to like get into the nuts and bolts of, of product and, and stuff on, on a podcast like this. But many months ago, we, because I was hearing like, oh, how can I share this with a client or how can I gather things from a client? But do I have to pay for every client? 
I, I kept getting that question. So, so then we developed our guest users feature, which, so, so the deal with process kit is you, you pay for your team members, but you have unlimited guests and, and guests can, can be assigned specific tasks. So, so we basically bolted the, the guest feature into our existing like task and process workflow. But what clients really want is just something more like a client portal that they could send them to where they could see progress from the outside, but they're not like in your projects and, and you don't have to like invite them in and give them like a login that they forget their password and all this stuff. Right. Like, it's like, it's like you're, you're fully set up and we've started work on, on, on this, on this month's piece of content. Yeah. It's like you're, you're running your process and doing your tasks with process kit, but there's like a, it, it also creates a public portal that you can show people from the outside and, and you get to decide what you show into that portal. And then there would be some intakes back from that portal that, that can integrate back into your processes. And I, it sounds very abstract here, but but if you're a, a, an agency, a client service, like these are things that happen every day in your, in your normal workflows. You're setting them up to start a, a marketing campaign or a website build. You're working on that internally with your team, and then you're delivering and keeping your client in the loop and, and making it a really seamless experience for the client. And this all ties into the positioning as well. So it's like, instead of a process tool, like literally every business in the world has business processes, but I'm starting to focus on marketing agencies who are working with clients. You know, what can I give them this niche to, to satisfy their daily needs of working with clients to deliver marketing services in a predictable way. Th these are the things that, that most customers are trying to accomplish or job to be done, if you will. And, it, and it's like, to me, this is like the, the blessing and curse that you've taken upon yourself to be the product architect and the person that talks to all the customers because Doing both of those is really hard, but because you're doing both of them, these little iterations, like what was that other feature you said, the, uh, the, the guest feature, like you're just not going to get that on your own. You're not going to come up with that un unless you're running the process. The guest feature, like we'll, we'll still have it because they also use that for like, um, for sharing with like temporary freelancers. But when I heard all that feedback early on months ago about like, how do I share with clients? How do I get things from clients? How do I share with clients? And do I need to pay for all the clients? I don't want to. Like I kept hearing that over and over again. And my solution in my mind at the time was like, what's the fastest way to satisfy that need? Oh, we can just make a level of user that is just a guest. And, and that was sort of like, I don't want to call it an MVP because it is a useful feature. It doesn't, fully satisfy that that need in the best possible way you know like because i also get like a related thing is like well can i custom brand it because I'm, I'm inviting my clients a lot and so the answer has been no like internally your internal process kit account you know there's no custom branding in there but when you create a public portal yes you will be able to slap your logo on it and yes you know, which which is the same thing recharge ran into maybe you should take a look at, at their at their like feature set they had the same thing the interesting thing that happened to them so it, they actually use it as part of their pricing where it's like very standard customer portal or if you're higher end and you pay for the higher tier you get to customize the customer portal because it's more important to you and then what they found was that the customer portal turned into like revenue potential for the for the merchant 
So their customers are going to that portal the same way that let's say the agency's clients were going to go there. And then the merchant, in this case, the agency can then use that interaction point to offer things, to present things, to allow them to communicate, like all, all these other yeah. things. Yeah. And I, and I see the portal as um, potentially like a, it, it could be like a, an element of like viral marketing because the client, right, their, their client could, could see the powered by a process kit. And, 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 you know, it's an open question of like whether we would give them an option to disable that or, or whatever it is. But like, that's like an outward facing thing that that could help in other ways too. But that that's not the main reason I'm doing this. The main reason is to kind of solve that that need there. But I think it could be interesting anyway. That that's something on my mind. Like we're we have cer- certain things that that sort of accomplish that, but it's not fully there. So I think in the in future months we'll we'll get into building those things. And I'm still thinking about onboarding. Like I I made like a little onboarding widget a few months ago, but now I'm thinking more about like how can I make the the interface easier to just get up and running with on day one. So. So like I'm spending a lot of my time now working on that user experience while I've got my developer implementing some other pretty big features and I've got a marketer who's starting on the content stuff. So I feel, I feel good in that sense that like things are moving on all the different fronts. Me focusing on user experience and onboarding and thinking about these new features, I'm not like losing time anymore. Like that's, that's where I feel like I need to be focused on because now I've got people pushing on the other fronts, you know, where is it used to be maybe six, 12 months ago, it used to be like, if I decided to do this now, then everything else gets put, put on hold. Uh, I feel a little bit less stressed about that because I've got people pushing now on other yeah, parts. And, and you, you have some raw material to work with on just the number of trials. And then if the cold email adds to those trials, then your work on, basically trial to paid conversion, which is what product work really is doing. I would say that it might not feel like it, but you're making huge progress and the revenue, which is a lagging indicator, will show that progress two, three months from now. Right? And you'll look back on it. I was hoping not two, three months ago. (laughs) Always, always, always. And we were talking about this off air. I'm not going to get totally uh, into it. But this is such a hard time, man, in, in a SaaS for, for me on my, on my side here. It's like I'm constantly questioning, d- does it need to be this hard? Does it need to take this long? Am I making it har- unnecessarily harder on myself and, and, or making certain decisions or not making certain decisions? Revenue is increasing every month and we are converting customers every month. But for whatever reason, I, I can't help but focus on all the, all the leads who don't convert you know, and I know you're not going to convert all of them, but it's like Benedict from, from user list had a really great tweet that just like smacked me in the face the other day. Like, yes, I totally relate to that. Yeah. So, so Benedict said, uh, one of the most challenging things in working on the user list is to figure out what's a good idea to pursue and what's just a distraction. And are we missing out on opportunities by staying focused on the thing that we're currently working on? And, you know, I'm sure he's talking about all, all sorts of other opportunities than, than I am, but like, that's the thing. It's like, am I working on the right things in the right order? That's right. Uh, you're, you're almost certainly not working optimally, right? There's no way you're doing all the right things. Yeah. So how bad are you screwing up? That's, that's kind of the, what ends up being the mindset. Yeah. But 
it's really hard because you have so much time in the day to think about it. That's really like the problem is when it's set and it's established and you're up and running and there's enough momentum, like even if you wanted to change something, you're not going to change it for another few weeks because you've already committed to this. Like, yeah, like the things that I'm talking about now are for the future. Like we're about to ship these features that I started working on weeks ago. Like it, there's always a pipeline of, of, so so decisions that I make now, it it impacts like, what we end up doing in the fall and winter, you know? Yes. And in the meantime, you're just left to sit at your desk and think, am, am I doing the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Is this smart? Why is this so hard? I'm not on a, on a runway where I feel like I'm running out of time or funding. That, that's been luckily uh, pretty comfortable and sustaining, but I, I still have that sense of urgency. Like, I don't want to look back on this whole year and think like, Wow, I thought it was going to grow a lot faster than I did. <laughs> you know, um, it's uh, it's it's just always frustrating. I don't know if that'll ever go away, my friend. It'll just change. Yeah. I'm I'm yep. trying to like mentally like enjoy. You know, this negotiation went on for a while, and we knew it was coming for years, and. I should be able to be happy about it, right? I'm like forcing myself immediately, immediately I was onto the next hurdle and the next stress and the next, well, what about this? And I'm just trying to take a few weeks of whenever that comes up to just say, but at least we got through this thing that that's kind of been on the horizon for so long. Yeah. But it, yeah, it is a sure. natural result of knowledge work or whatever you want to call it, that the winds, they just don't last very long. They just go right by and then it's just onto the next challenge and onto the next doubt and onto the next thing. Yep. So it goes. Day to day. Well, I think we need a, we need a good long weekend here. We do Take need a break. nice long weekend. Hope everyone has a great Labor Day weekend, enjoys themselves, gets yep. out in the sun. That's it. September is here. All right. All right, man. Take it easy. Later, y'all. <laughs>